I'm Joe Firestone. I am a comedian, and I also teach a comedy workshop. Just before the pandemic hit, Joe Firestone decided to begin teaching a unique kind of comedy class through a nonprofit arts organization in New York called Greenwich House. I was going through a time where I didn't have a job, so I was like, well, maybe I'll teach because that'll be fun to be around people that want to learn comedy, that want to do comedy, and they're excited about it. Just like a group of people wanting to make each other laugh. In early 2020, right when the pandemic hit, Firestone's weekly workshop really took shape over Zoom. But what really sets apart her class is that each participant ranges in age from 66 to 88. I think that this group has a lot of life experience and a lot of stories and also has a strong desire to laugh and make each other laugh in a really scary time. A lot of their peers aren't leaving the house, they're not leaving the house, so there's a collective interest in having fun and joking around. This group of older New Yorkers meet at 10 a.m. each Monday over Zoom and learn to make jokes, like this one. I love getting older. You know, I'm losing my hair, but I know where it's going. It's going to my knuckles. I think it's funny to see people willingly going outside of their comfort zone. But I love getting older. You know, at Wendy's, I get my coffee for free. Give it up for getting older. I always like seniors, and I like talking to seniors, so it seemed like it seemed like it would be a good time. I feel close with them. I feel connected with them. I'm Joe Skinner, and this is American Masters Creative Spark. In each episode, we bring you the story of how artists bring their creative work to life. Today's focus, Joe Firestone on the making of her new comedy special called Good Timing. Good Timing is a 50-minute documentary special out on Peacock, which takes us through Joe Firestone's experience of taking 16 of her senior citizen students out of the virtual classroom and into a live, in-person comedy recital right in New York City. For Firestone, who is a writer on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon and has appeared as a performer on shows like Broad City, The Jim Gaffigan Show, and Night Train with Wyatt Cenac, Good Timing was a big departure from the world of stand-up. Doing comedy in New York, said Firestone once, I've been conditioned to thrive in basements. Now on this project, she's shifting gears to help teach comedy over Zoom to a group of strangers with a considerable generation gap. I was so nervous to be in this group and to like prove myself as a teacher and connect with them and like figure out things that I thought were funny that they thought were funny and find commonalities. We were all experiencing this horrible pandemic. We were all in New York City for the most part. We'd like make some jokes about current events, like the precautions that we were taking at the moment or the rituals we were all doing at the moment. And it was like a way to check in almost every week, like this space where everybody wanted to come and laugh for a little bit. With each weekly session, Firestone runs an hour of loosely structured lessons with different approaches to the craft. 
we spend the first 10 minutes or so everybody sharing what they wrote. And this is like maybe more of a thoughtful piece, something that like people can spend time on. And then after that, we do probably like four activities, like a panel show kind of activity where it's like, how do you do this joke? What's the best place to pee your pants and what's the worst place to propose marriage? And so like then everybody has to answer that. I'm just going to say words and you just say whether it's funny or not funny in by, by itself, okay? Ready? Peanuts. Funny. funny. Salt. <laughs> okay, how about treadmills? Not at all. Very serious. <laughs> Gerbils? Gerbils. Definitely funny. Gerbils are funny? With Richard Gere. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help it. How about Band-Aids? I loved them when I was a kid. I used to put them on all the time. I loved them. <laughs> I really did. And they were hilarious. <laughs> the punchlines come quickly and often. And so trying to get everybody talking and hopefully with prompts that stimulate a lot of ideas. Okay, how about milk? Is milk funny? Milk is white. Jokes like these come rapid fire in good timing where you can witness Firestone's lesson plans finally come to life. What we had to do as a group early on is to figure out where the line was and like what people were comfortable joking about. You don't necessarily know right off the bat what you're comfortable hearing jokes about, right? You, until it happens. And so one woman made a Holocaust joke. And then another woman spoke up and they said, this is not okay. You can't make jokes about this. I don't like these jokes. And, and then... The woman who made the joke said, I'm so sorry, I won't do it again. And the woman who took offense to it said, that's all right, I forgive you. And while the whole Zoom was watching, and it was like this kind of like, okay, and now we're at, oh, those, these two are ready to move on. There's a willingness to assume everybody has good intentions in the group. And even there's like some people that are a little bit more like heckly, and there's some people that are a little bit more roasty in their humor. And... At this point, I think everybody feels somewhat connected and they give people the benefit of the doubt, which I, I'm kind of blown away by. A main point of connection for Firestone and most of her students in the class is that they're all New Yorkers, a cultural association that certainly transcends age. It's like all the New Yorkers live in apartments. They make jokes about rats and pigeons and like outdoor dining and like the subway and being around crowds of people. And, you know, your life is different if you live in New York and you have to be a little bit tough and a little bit used to a lot of people being around and being kind of on guard. And there's like a lot that's involved with your everyday life here. Something special about a class like this is you find connective tissue you find what forges common ground among people with wildly different backgrounds. And for Joe Firestone, out of that alchemy surfaces empathy. The more I talk to the people in the class, the more I realize that like, if you've lived a really long life, you've lived a hard life, you know? And so I think that probably, it seems like the group doesn't want this class to be hard. And so this class is kind of a space where people want to have fun and they want to make jokes and they want to feel good. So I think there's kind of an intention behind it. Once the group gelled, comedian Joe Firestone had her own creative spark. 
thinking that the comedy emerging from the virtual workshops deserved a wider audience, perhaps even as the basis for a comedy special for a streaming service. I, I think the more I spent time with these people, the more I was like, these people are the funniest people in my life. And I just like, kept trying to figure out ways to work with them. In those three weeks when the, the pandemic seemed like it was coming to an end, like when the, the vaccines first started to take effect, I kind of like was like, oh, I wonder if we're going to meet in person. Like maybe we should make something together. And then Julie Miller, I collaborate with a lot. And she was interested in directing. And we kind of took this on together and made it a special. With her perspective special, Firestone now faced a tall order. She needed to rally support for in-person workshops during a pandemic and prepare a group to perform comedy in public, many for the first time in their lives. I tried to get like everybody involved, but some people were like, no, I do not want to be on camera. I do not want to do this. And some people were like, I want to do this so bad. Please count me in. And so it ended up being 16 people, which was a great group. She built a production team with director Julie Miller and got to work. The final group of 16 students make for an eclectic ensemble of aspiring comedians. There's 71-year-old Ziggy Susser, a former claims representative for Social Security. There's Elaine Witt, a 71-year-old retired teacher. There are two married couples, a number of HR specialists, among others. My name is Teresa Hummel, and I'm 76. And you are, you're wearing a mask. I'm wearing three masks. Hi, I'm Helen Yaloff. And I am, ooh, 86 years old. My name is Nikki Cochran. My date of birth is May 10th, 1938. So we wanted to show the class, but we'd never met in person before. Julie, the director, was like really adamant that you see this on the camera. You see the people seeing each other for the first time. So Firestone brought her crew of comedians to be in for four days of filmed rehearsals. Presumably, it's the first time many had gathered since the early days of COVID quarantine, now with a vaccination program well underway. The scene still has a palpable sense of nervousness and excitement in the air. So this is pretty much like the comedy workshop we do on Zoom, but it's going to be in person. And we're going to do some exercises to get material going, and then we'll do a show in four days. No big deal. We realized 16 people in a room still doesn't feel that safe, and so we divided it into two. And basically, we were just trying to get as much as we could material-wise out of this group without making anyone feel tired or overrun. We're going to do a quick, just a roundup of ideas for what's the worst thing to have on a T-shirt. Bill. Uh, cream cheese. I love me, not you. A naked baby on a T-shirt trying to... Vivi. <laughs> a naked baby on a t-shirt trying to shoot. Only need this Vivi. Yeah, that's a really bad t-shirt. The rehearsals immerse you into Firestone's teaching process, and you're constantly left wondering what her students are going to say next. But it's the one-on-one -on -one interviews woven throughout the special that really give the show its heartbeat. I love interviewing people. You know, you get to see a whole, a whole different side of people when you talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Did you do comedy before this class? No. Did you ever want to? Uh, sure. Yeah, it just never crossed my mind as a possibility. And, and then, then you came along. <laughs> we just interviewed everybody for half an hour, and I tried to ask questions that would leave them an opportunity to answer honestly and openly. 
<laughs> are you nervous for the show? I'm scared to death. Really? Absolutely. What are you scared of? Never having done this in front of a live audience before. Yeah. Um, you're pretty vulnerable. There was a moment with Teresa, and Teresa's the one that wore three masks. And, and I taped them. Uh-huh. Because I don't want any COVID sneaking in the side. <laughs> okay, great. And um, what, what inspired you to take the comedy class? I'm ready to laugh. And she is talking about how before the pandemic, she never had any interest in being funny. Well, I, had a, I was very serious, you know, I was, I was a very serious corporate trainer. Until when? Until the pandemic, and I didn't have any work. <laughs> and then suddenly she woke up, and she didn't have a job, and she's like, it's time to laugh. You know, I think people need to laugh more. I think I need to laugh more. I may be late, but it's not too late. And that just kind of stuck with me that, like, it's such a... I just, I love that way of thinking, and I love how she articulated it, and I think I've had a different um, life so far than she had. Uh, you know, I've tried to be funny <laughs> my whole life, and so it's nice to know that it, the bug bites you at any time, and it's, it's very inspiring whenever it happens. It kind of felt like the crux of the show in certain ways. Yeah, yeah, I thought, oh yeah, I thought so too. And yeah, a lot of the moments in the interviews I was kind of shocked by. You know, we didn't really want to go into anyone's, like deep into anyone's life. Cause in general, if you go deep into anybody's life, it can get sad, you know, and it can get hard and you can get into places that they might not want to talk about. And so Julie and I kind of made this conscious decision to focus on what makes these people happy and what makes them want to make other people happy and kind of focus on that. After four days of rehearsal and sit-down interviews, comedian Joe Firestone prepares her 16 senior citizen students for their grand finale, a filmed stand-up recital before a live in-person audience. Has anyone been to a 2 p.m. comedy show before? <laughs> it's at Abrams Art Center, and it's a traditional like theater. I think it was like a 300-seat theater, and we taped it off so that it was about 30 to 40 people in the audience. And then we had four cameras, and then in front of the curtain was a single microphone and a stool. The 16 students would have bright lights and the production's many cameras pointed at them for the recital, which feels like high stakes for mostly amateur performers. But Firestone had confidence in her group. A lot of them have experience in their lives where they did something in front of an audience. Most of them, they're not talking to a group of people for the first time. So I didn't really assume I needed to tell people how to perform for an audience. I come from a poor family, but let me tell you something. Every night, my mother had food on the table. I wish we had plates. <laughs> if you have 16 people and you want the show to go an hour and a half, you give everybody four minutes because then when everybody goes over, it's an hour and a half.
We were just trying to make it so that people didn't have to write an enormous amount of material as well. And so we just kind of wanted it to be so that people could succeed and that the audience could feel good. My name is Helen Yaloff, and if you ever meet me, you can remind me of that. <laughs> uh, Joe, are you sure the doors are locked now? Hearing the audience respond so positively to everybody, that was such a good feeling. Barbara Boba! Two jumper cables walk in, and the bartender says, Hey, you two, don't you start anything in here. We wanted the people watching to feel like, Oh, I really like all these people. Oh, I relate to this person. Oh, this person reminds me of this person I know. This person reminds me of my neighbor. And then just kind of going on the ride with them and seeing them succeed at a show and then feel good afterwards. It wasn't like something where you're nervous watching it. You, we wanted people to feel good watching it because being around these people made us feel good. I guess if I were watching it for the first time, I guess what I would be getting out of it is maybe seeing older people are maybe not that different and that they're really funny and it's cool that they're doing this at such a scary and horrible time in our lives and they're actively trying to find joy and that's that's something that I would like to do more of. Thank you to Joe Firestone for her interview and for inviting us into the creative process behind her show, Good Timing, which you can stream now on Peacock. This is the final episode for this season of American Masters Creative Spark, and I think it's one that really gets at the core of what we've been trying to explore with these past eight episodes. To remind everyone that the creative process is something we can all partake in, no matter what our background is, our age, our discipline, or our resources. And it can be something that brings joy, knowledge, catharsis, even revelation. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. American Masters Creative Spark is a production of the WNET Group, media made possible by all of you. The show is produced by me, Joe Skinner. Our executive producer is Michael Cantor. Original music is composed by Hannes Brown. Funding for American Masters Creative Spark was provided by the Anderson Family Charitable Fund and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.